The lovely vocals of Sarah from Vancouver band O Wells there can only mean one thing. It's time for the latest episode of the Away From The Numbers podcast. I'm your host, Michael McCall, and I'm joined as always by my wonderful bearded co-host, Steve Pander. Hello, everybody in Whitecaps land. We've reached episode 14. It's kind of a pity that we hadn't held back one so that this would be our special 13th episode, because 13 seems to be the Whitecaps lucky number. Yep, they have beaten the Seattle Sounders for the first time and picked up their first Cascadian win. So it's a fantastic 13 day. games it's taken them to do that. Yep. So as you can tell, we're, we're in a pretty good mood here at BC Place this evening. It's going to be a, a fun podcast, a really enjoyable one after a Cascadia derby. We're, we're kind of not used to that. Woohoo! So, Steve, what would you say, just your overall thoughts on the game? Um, it was... Uh, a, a good game overall but there were a lot of uh, obviously a lot of uh, scary moments especially in the first half uh, the Kenny Miller goal at the beginning was huge um, it, it, it was a it was a goal that settled the nerves yeah. you, you could kind of feel the relief just going all around BC place and beautiful finish absolutely great finish by Miller and Herzog delivered a great pass yeah I, I have to say I was surprised to see Herzog in the starting lineup I thought he was pretty ineffectual against Kansas City, and I, I really thought we were going to see Kikutamani getting the run out. But but Herzog, he, he wasn't really playing out in the right. He was kind of he was covered all over the pitch. We saw him in the middle a lot. He was playing on both wings. He, he put in a lot of legwork. I think he uh, basically it was a similar play the way Tiber plays all over the pitch too as well. So I guess he was playing exactly that role. Um, he was making runs uh, on the left side, on the right side, down the middle and even playing a little deep sometimes too in the midfield to have that extra guy in the midfield to contract their, their play in the midfield which dominated the first half It was great to get the win I have to say though I was so glad that the, the halftime whistle came I, I was just wanting that to come so badly because it, it just the feeling was just at Seattle we're going to find a way through any minute and just tie the game up and I think the second goal was always going to be vital I had tweeted out that if the Whitecaps get the second goal, they're going to go on and win it. But if Seattle were to get the second goal, I really think they would have come and, and, and taken the three points away from this. Yeah, that first half, the, the, the midfield was just giving up so many through balls. It was uh, it was like basically Swiss cheese, essentially. They, they were just... They, yeah, I don't know if it was the backline's fault or the midfield's fault. I'm probably going to put it more on the midfield for not closing down and closing down the lanes. I was going to ask you about the midfield. They kind of felt a bit invisible again. They just... They really failed to stamp their authority in the game. There just seemed to be no bite out there. And that's with Rio Coker also in there. Yeah. So I just, it was amazing. But the second half was a huge turnaround. Yeah. I mean, um, whatever Rennie said to them at half time, they, they came out and the pressure was off right away. They, they were playing more in the Seattle half. And I don't know whether Rennie just basically said to them, look, you need to, to take the pressure off the defence, get the ball to the other end of the pitch, because that's the best form of defense and has been always to when attack. When Seattle had chances, they had to go wide. They couldn't even go down the middle anymore. So it was it was very, uh, I think they just basically played way tighter in the midfield and allowed Seattle to go wide and their crosses were easily caught by Knighton, who we should mention, we, we shouldn't wait too long to mention his yeah. name because he was absolutely brilliant today. I, I was, was keeping him for a special mention. Brad Knighton, that is the best that we've probably ever seen him play in a white cap shirt. 
in the post game which we'll play a little bit of later on he said that's the best that he's ever played that's, he thinks it's the best game he's ever had yeah and he definitely obviously there's no doubt in my mind or your mind or it should be any anybody's mind that he's going to start next week against Chicago yeah it's it's got to the stage like so many of the media just want to play up the fact that Oh, there's a there's a goalkeeper controversy. It's like, yeah, the, well, the Canucks have got rid of theirs now. Let's just bring it to the Whitecaps. Yeah, it's typical uh, uh, Vancouver media who looks for uh, controversy, even when the Whitecaps are playing well and <laughs> winning games. They're, they're like uh, unbeaten in five now, and they've only had one loss in their last nine games. So and it's two, a huge two clean sheets for night and, and well. out of three of the last yeah. three games, and one goal only allowed against Kansas City, which was surprising too. Cause yeah, and he didn't have a chance with that. Yeah. But I, I thought Knighton in, in that first half, that is what you need from a goalkeeper if you're going to be a team in contention of, of being deep in the playoffs and even winning the title. You need to have a goalkeeper that's going to come up with the huge saves. And we've seen Cannon do it. He saved us so many points this year and last year with some really great last-ditch heroics. But I, I'm not sure that we've seen a keeper in, in our whole MLS era that's had a, a whole half like that where it's save after save after save and that double one that he, he produced from it was what Johnson to start with Johnson and, and Martins yeah. with the rebound that that was one of the game changers yeah. and I think one of the other huge aspects in the first half was that tackle that Brad Rusin did when Brad Evans sent the ball over to Martins, Martins yeah. again and it, it looked like he was going to get the bounce in his favour and just bury it past Knighton and then Rusin was there with an absolutely fantastic tackle. Yeah, and he made it look easy too. He even took down Martins a little bit, hurt him a little bit. He definitely hurt him because he was. Uh, it was. I don't think that was uh, any kind of theatrics there because he he got definitely got contact on his leg. But he definitely, it was definitely all ball first. And we've been really critical of the defense and podcasts in the last few weeks, so we have to give credit where credit's due. That was a top defensive performance out there tonight. Leveron and Rusin are, are playing really well together. I'm really surprised by that because I thought they would have problems because Rusin struggled a bit this season. Leveron's had so many different partners now. I mean, you'd, you'd think he was like a girl from Cowdenbeath. <laughs> I'd never been there. I don't know what you're talking about. But that's another story. Uh, but I think the huge thing about Rusin is possibly, uh, in the last two games especially, he's playing uh, beside top veterans. Who uh, first Nigel Rio Coker, and then he played uh, with uh, YP Lee today, and that maybe has a little bit of difference because when he was struggling, he's playing alongside Alain Rochat mostly, and Alain Rochat was struggling as well, so that might have had a little bit to do with what Rusin was going through. I, I thought Lee had a quite a quiet game tonight. Maybe I was just not noticing what he was doing, but it just it felt oh. that he just wasn't his impactful. No, self. he barely went forward. He, I think he was. It was his job today to shut down whatever was coming down that left side for Seattle. And I think also because um, you're not always sure of what Corey Herzog uh, is capable of doing defensively, because he is really a, an up, you know, target striker. He's not really a wing player, so defensively he's not 100 percent sure. So. I think they were told to keep him back. And that's why I, I think even in the last game, Nigel Rio Coker really didn't go up too much either. I, I didn't see everyone call him making many plays going forward. No, not really. And Harvey today, he looked better. He wasn't as out of position as, as much. There was a couple of times that, that he kind of was just playing a little bit too far forward. 
but when I saw the lineup, I kind of feared for the worst. It just did not look a lineup that was going to be able to deal with that Seattle attack and the pace that they can bring and the danger that they can bring. And I have to say, hats off to Martin Rennie, he, he nailed it. I was surprised to see Davidson starting at home, I guess because of the unfamiliar familiarity with those central pairing that he kind of added something to that. Yeah. And he, he had another another good game. Yeah, it was a solid game, no major mistakes or anything like that. Although, you'd have to really look at the tape to see if he was the cause of some of those through balls in the um, in the first half. It's hard to tell. You have to look more, watch the game over again, and look at it more carefully. So that's our brief thoughts on the game. Let's hear now from the two coaches. We'll hear first from Seattle coach Ziggy Schmidt bit of a hard interview to hear because the music was blaring out from from BC Place as everyone was filing out he didn't go into the media room he did it outside the Sounders dressing room so it's it's quite loud and then after that we'll hear what Martin Rennie thought uh, we gave up a goal early uh, you know you know credit to them for finishing that uh, we had opportunities we should have finished some of those opportunities uh, Knighton came up with some big saves for them in goal to keep them in it uh, and then uh, obviously the last 10 minutes of the game we're pushing forward trying to get it and that's probably when they got the majority of their shots uh, at that point on but uh, uh, you know I'm not displeased with what we created and how we played. Was that the best goalkeeping performance against you this season? Yeah, probably. You know, I mean, you always remember the last one, so so this is the one, obviously, that we'll remember. But, you know, our finishing need to be a little bit sharper, uh, you know, and then we don't make the goalkeeper look as good. How much do you put on him, and how much do you put on yourself in those saves? Uh, you know, I mean, he came up with some big saves. I mean, it was, uh, he reacted well to the one off the corner from Zach. You know, he got his he got his toe on the other one, you know, so he gets to that. But, uh, you know, so, you know, you know, credit to him. This is your first loss to Vancouver. I guess you've trailed in like three other games to them, but have been able to come back. Is it... Yeah, and even at two nothing, we felt we'd be capable of coming back. You know, for sure at one nothing, we felt we could come back, and even at two, we felt capable of coming back. But you know, I mean, all good things come to an end, and uh, so obviously it came to an end today. Yeah, I mean, what an exciting game it was, and an exciting night. As soon as uh, came out for the start of the game, the stadium was already full, and the atmosphere—I've never seen anything like it in BC Place. And um, the players responded really well to it. I'm really pleased for them to get that result tonight. But it's been disappointing for us not to have beaten Seattle up until now, but we've been playing really well recently. We've been getting good results. We've been scoring goals, and tonight we uh, we uh, defended well as well. And I think Brad Knighton came up with a couple of really important and big saves that were were crucial in the game. Uh, I thought we started the game really well for the first 20 minutes, and then our pressure dropped a little bit, and that was when Seattle had some chances. But in the second half, I thought we managed to keep that pressure up much better. Um, and you know we got the goal from Darren, which made it you know really sealed the game for us, and we were quite comfortable in the end. So it's a it's a huge win. Uh, it's one that we really wanted to give to our fans. It's been disappointing when we've not uh, won these games before. We've tied a lot. We've lost a couple, but uh, tonight we got that win, and I think it's a, you know it's a big thing for the club, and uh, you know it's a thank you hopefully to all the people in the club who worked so hard to to move this club forward, and for the people in the city who you know this club means so much to. It's a, it's a big night. So Martin Rennie obviously quite cock-a-hoop there after getting his and the Whitecaps' first Cascadia Cup win in the MLS era. Now, we've talked a little bit about some of the the performances that that were there tonight. Let's talk about the strikers. Whitecaps now 29 goals for the season, 
second highest in MLS, just one goal behind the Montreal Impact, tied with a couple of other clubs. What I'm liking about, and it's something that Kenny Miller alluded to a couple of weeks ago, doesn't matter if Miller's not getting a goal, Camilo's scoring. If Camilo's not getting a, a goal, Tybert was scoring or providing an assist or Miller was getting the goal. And then tonight, Darren Matitz came on and, and, and got the goal. So they're all helping each other out. They're working as a team and they're, they're sharing the goals around and they're doing really well. It's something that we felt was coming because at the start of the season, we were creating so many chances and we kept saying week in, week out one of these days we're going to start taking these chances and that's happening now. Yeah. Still not 100% perfect, but it's, it's very pleasing to see. Well, they didn't get very many shots today and they took that's the thing, they took advantage of what the shots they got. So it was definitely a huge a huge thing for them. The big thing for the Whitecaps, I feel, uh, not only are they getting the goals, but like we said before, they're, they're tightening up defensively. And it's a huge thing tonight. The back line is playing well, no matter who's in the back line, it seems like. If they can just shore up that midfield somehow and, and like you said, put a stamp on it, uh, on the game, I, I think th- this could be a very big upswing for the Whitecaps. I don't want to talk too much into the future, but they are playing really well right now and, and almost hitting on all facets of the game. Yeah, it's... it's, it's no, I was going to say it's enjoyable to watch. Sometimes it's not, because like tonight was really nerve-wracking. I have to say, I, I enjoyed the win. Yeah. I can't say I enjoyed watching that. That. I think it was, was more nerve wracking because of who we're playing too. It I, is I think as if well, it was yeah. if it was a non Cascadia team, a non Derby team, I think it would be a little bit more enjoyable throughout the whole thing. Also, you've you've always got the back of your mind. You're you're just waiting for one of these defensive lapses to come, and that that's the thing now. Like at the start of the season, we made mistakes defensively. We were punished. Recently, we've been making some mistakes defensively. We've not been getting punished. We weren't getting some breaks going for us, slicing balls into our own net. Tonight, Brad Rusin intercepted that cross from Nagel, sliced it towards goal. Instead of it flying in like we would have seen at the start of the season, crashed off the post. So you always say that breaks even themselves out over the course of the season, but it's really helping the Whitecaps now. They're playing with such confidence just now as well that that is also a huge part of it. Even when they're not playing great, they have the self-belief that they can come and do this. And, and it's working. They're, they're, they're playing fantastic. And talking of confidence, Darren Mattox came off the bench tonight. As everyone that's listened to this podcast knows, I've been trying to get him traded for, for months now. Well, in fact, after he scored the goal, you wanted him traded because he was at a high value at that well, point. Well, <laughs> he's, he's at a high value again, so let, let's, let's just get on the phone and see, see what we can do. But in all seriousness... It was a huge weight, huge relief for him. And y- you saw it, like, as he just collapsed on the ground and Kenny Miller pounced on him, the, the relief of everyone that he finally got a goal. Yeah. And then the way he played after that And then well. he just kept going for yeah. the goals. He kept wanting to more and more at that point. So that's a huge thing for him. Yeah. And the way he took it, like, when I first saw it, I thought he had possibly, like, used his arm to bring it down. I thought it was, like, a Portland thing all over again. But then when you watch the replay brilliant control he br- brings it down with his shoulder lets it bounce buries it that's the dramatics that we saw finishing last year and it's going to be interesting now to see how he moves forward with that because he's not going to be a starter unless and this this is something that I, i've been surprised that that martin rennie hasn't done can we look at playing matics out wide in the wing can we turn him into a right winger fill the role that tybert's been doing see if he can link up with camillo and miller because that could be an exciting front three. 
The only problem is that I think the the one drawback that would be is his defensive ability. Will will he track back? He like a lot of people have said he doesn't work as hard. So yeah, I think that's the one thing that probably is the negative. Also, he is not much of a provider like Tybert is. So I think that would be another thing. He's more of a straight line guy. Like when Kofi flicked that uh, that goal kick off and, and, oh, and lo- lovely like. Perfectly headed it over. Should actually come to think of it, like we should really ask Gerson after the game. Did he mean it? Did he know that that's where Matix was, or was it just like a jump and, and hope that he flicked it onto someone? It felt like he, he meant it yeah, because the it, way it his, really the way good. the way that his head moved. Because if he was just going to want to bring it down, he would have just brought it down. But he he kind of like his head like shot that way. So I I think it was meant to be. And we were talking earlier about the fantastic man of the match performance from Brad Knighton. He gets an assist on that. Yeah, he got an assist. And that's where his like uh, uh, the big difference obviously we don't I don't know how Usted's uh, goal kicks are but the Cannon to Knighton goal kicks like Knighton's distribution is much better than Cannon's and that's where a huge uh, factor is because he he nailed he nailed that that was quite a distance on the, the goal kick and it was nice and Streamlined, but right into Kofi, and Kofi was able to get a head on it. And Knighton said afterwards that it's his first assist since high school. Yeah. And since we're talking about what Knighton said afterwards, let's hear from Brad Knighton now in the in the locker room, and we'll also hear from tonight's goal scorers, Kenny Miller and Darren Mattix. Brad, that was a big win for the team and a big win for the fans tonight. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know we've been waiting for that for a long time here in Vancouver, and uh, lucky number thirteen, I'm going to be our, our ticket tonight. So, what does your second shutout mean to you? Uh, it's just another step in the right direction for us. I don't really care about the shutouts as long as we're winning games. Uh, that's what I'm in there for, and to, to make saves and, and get us points and move up the table, and you know, hoping to continue to do that. Where does this rank in terms of performances? That's the best game I've ever played, by far, hands down. How motivated were you coming into this game? I'm motivated every game. You don't want to be uh, dropped from a team, and you know it's it's my job to to put in performances like that to to make them think twice about taking me out of the lineup. And you know, obviously, uh, it's it's been nice having him here because it's going to push me and make me better. And that's what you want at any position. Uh, you want competition at every spot, and bringing David in is going to do that. And uh, you know what you've seen from the two weeks that he's been here, it's changed my mentality, and it's this is probably the best I've ever played. Brad, so just to clarify what you're saying, like you're saying what you've seen out of David in training, does change your mentality? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, you know, obviously all the press that you guys do about this guy coming in and coming in and he's eligible to play on the ninth. I mean, obviously uh, that's that's a motivating factor because, you know, I've been here and, you know, I've gotten my run of games and it's up to me and he's got to come take it out of my hands. Uh, you know, it's going to make for a great battle and it's something that, you know, I think Martin wants at every position, not just the goalkeeper position. You don't want your spot, you know, having to look over your shoulder and, and know that someone's competing there and if, you know, you're not getting the job done, he's going to put someone in and that, that that's competitiveness and that's professional sports at, at any level, whether it be, you know, NASL or USL or the NFL or the CFL. There's going to be competition at every single spot and it's up to you to maintain your spot and deserve and show you deserve to be in there and that's what I'm doing. What did that assist mean to you, Brad? <laughs> it's uh, hadn't had one since high school, so it was quite nice. Um, but yeah, it's like I said, it's obviously uh, it's, it's one I'll, I'll, I'll live to, to tell my kids about. And uh, you know, unfortunately, my wife and daughter are back in North Carolina right now, but I know they stayed up and saw the game. And uh, you know, my phone's been blowing up with text messages. So um, looking forward to seeing them uh, in a couple weeks. But you know, this really means a lot to me. Can you just uh, talk how uh, important that win was uh, for the team and the fans? Yeah, it's massive. Obviously, the 
the first win against Seattle. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming. Delighted for the the players, the coaches, and the fans. It's been a it's been a big a big big result for the club, and more importantly, it's another three points for us uh, that keeps keeps Seattle behind us a few points, and hopefully cements us in that in that playoff position. Yeah, well, he's made what eight, nine, ten saves tonight. Uh, all honesty, all, all saves I would expect him to make. That's why he's there. But uh, yeah, he's had a, a fantastic night and and a worthy man of the match because uh, they did have a lot of opportunities then, but he's, he kept he kept producing save after save and keeping them at bay. So yeah, we're delighted with the with the win and also the clean sheet as well. You've scored a lot of derby goals in your career. Where does that one rank for you? Yeah, well, I think the importance it is for the club. It's a it's a big big goal, and obviously it gave us the the start that that we've not had for a while. We've had a, an early lead, and I think you've seen in our play for the first 20 25 minutes, it really really settled us, and we we passed it about well. And uh, yeah, well, it, it was an important goal in the sense that it did it did kind of relaxed us a little bit because at the start of a derby game it can always be kind of hectic so it did kind of settle us down a little bit. Kenny, you looked about as happy as, as anyone for Darren there yeah. for the goal. Yeah, delighted for him. It's uh, It's been a, a hard few months for him. He's obviously found himself out of the team and after the season he had last year, I'm sure he was expecting it to be a, a lot different this year but the form of Camillo is, is definitely been a, a plus for the, like for the team but it's obviously in Darren's case he's found the sell yet so yeah delighted for him to come on and get a goal and he could have had a few more at the end there but we've seen in flashes now this season what Darren can bring and the, the electric pace that he's got allowed him to get into the positions tonight to have two, three, four chances and hopefully that'll kick him on and, and we can start seeing the best of him this year. Darren coming off the bench score an important goal uh, can you tell us how it felt and uh, describe the goal? Really good I mean um Came, came in on second half. Appreciation from the fans was really amazing, and I uh, felt really good scoring a goal. I think it helped the team. Um, I think um, we were leading 1 one zero, but I think um, getting a second goal eased some of the pressure of the team, so that's really good now. So it's just going to keep working hard, and it's, it's nice to get three points against Hill for the first time in the club history. So that's a really boost for the club. Darren, how, how hard is it for you? Uh, how hard has it been to, to keep your confidence high while not playing the last you know, two months or so here? Um, it's a test of faith, I would say. You know, I mean, the biggest thing for me is just keep working really hard, really humble. To be honest, it's really tough, you know, but um, I know what I'm capable of doing. That's the biggest thing. You know, I mean, it's going to take something very dramatically to get my confidence done because you know, I'm a really confident person. No one's going to ever take it from me. So, I mean, last couple of games I've just um, in training session, I've been working extremely hard, keeping my focus, keeping my discipline, and know that when I get my chance, I'm going to take it. And I did that tonight. Just talk us through your goal. I mean, uh, I saw Brady, you know, make a really um, long punt, and I saw Gersh went up in the air. So, I mean, this is definitely going to be a flick on. And there's no one in this league going to catch me coming in full speed, um, to be honest. And I saw, when I saw the opportunity, I just grabbed it with both hands and putting the ball in the back of the net. I have to say, walking into the dressing room tonight after the, the experience of walking into the dressing room at Seattle just a month ago, like chalk and cheese. When, when or after, night and a day. <laughs> after the, the loss in Seattle and the way that it, it played out, when you walked into the Caps dressing room, the players, they were just all down, they were completely gutted. Nigel Rio Coker in particular, you, you just thought like the world had ended for him. Tonight you walk in and Nigel's laughing and joking and just like life and soul in the dressing room. And 
It's amazing what a few results can do, not just for team morale, but for confidence and, and everything like that that we've said. And what tonight's win did, don't want to just dismiss the fact that we, we got our first Cascadia Cup win, because it's important. Even more important from my point of view is we got three points against Western Conference rivals when other teams round about us are picking points up just now and it is tighter than a Nats chuff. Never really understood that expression because I used to know a girl called Nat and trust me, her, her chuff was not tight. But Loose. that win takes the Whitecaps for now up to fourth place. LA can, can reclaim fourth place tomorrow, but let's not look at that. So we're in fourth place just now, 29 points from 18 games. Last year after 18 games, we had 30 points. So just one point off the pace from that. Obviously, we had that horrible mid-season shuffle and collapse, and I, that's not going to happen this year. I don't see how it can happen, unless there's a, like a load of injuries or something like that. Well, well, and we've already suffered so many injuries, yeah, too. Yeah, I think we, we've, we've had our, hopefully, touch wood, we've had our injury crisis for now. Um, Dallas seemed to be the team now, and you said this at the start of the season, and I doubted you. No, when the summit was happening, we had the uh, supporters uh, podcast. Oh. That's what I, I doubted you, and I apologise for that. You were right about Dallas. You said they couldn't keep it up, and they're starting to slip, slip, slip. Getting the odd point here and there, but now you're thinking, yeah, the Whitecaps are going to catch them and soon overtake them. Yeah. Both played 18 games as it stands tonight. Whitecaps just two points behind. I mean, you think it was something like, what, 16 or 18 points they were behind them at one point. That's phenomenal. That's when they yeah, when they lost to them in Dallas, that's when they were behind. And the big thing is, is also, I, I still think, personally think, and I, I'm not saying Vancouver's going to be able to keep up this pace either, but I still think Portland's not going to be able to keep up. I don't think RSL can keep up. I don't think there is a, you know, a one huge, one, you know, dominant team in the West. I think they're all about the same level, and I think they're all going to be having their turns struggling. And, like, even Portland, when they, when they even if they don't, win even when they don't win they might not lose but they drop points because and they pick up those draws late in games when they collapse yeah. so they, they have their moments too they just haven't had losses yet and those might come down the road too for me I, I still think the the battle for the top spot well, I say still think I've mentioned this before publicly but we were talking about it off air but I, I think we're looking at the top spots going to be between Portland and Salt Lake I, I can see them both just keeping things going to the end of the season Looking at the, the one and two spots there, and then the rest's totally up for grabs. I think the Galaxy are. In a, I don't think they're very good at all. They might have a game here and there where they like they, they show their dominant self, like against uh, I think who, who did they play last Columbus when they had the two penalty kicks was that Columbus? Yes. Yeah, they, uh, they those, got out of jail in they, that one. That was a. Uh, I don't think they deserve that win at all. So it, they're ever since they traded Mike McGee. Who, who will see in the next game here? Yeah, ever since they traded him, I, they have not played as well. Because sure, if Landon Donovan re, you know reclaims his spot and 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 starts playing the way he has in the past, they, it might turn around. But right now, it's not looking good for them. The the other thing as well is last season we had the collapse because we had the horrendous run on the road, which was ridiculous. And not just from a Whitecaps point of view, no team should have to play as many road games as the Whitecaps did in, in such a space of time last season. Don't care whether it's Seattle, Portland, 
DC, anyone, Toronto, no one should have to play that amount of road games. And if you look at our next fixtures, we're at home next Sunday against Chicago, way to LA, home to Philly, away to Portland, home to San Jose, way to Colorado, home to LA. So it's going back and forward, and that's how it should be. Yeah. Fixtures should be, ideally, one game at home, one game away, at the very most, two away games or two home games in the trot. And the thing is, they only have one more trip out east, and that's against Montreal in September. So they will be playing either centrally or on the west coast for most of the season going forward. Good pickup, actually. I yeah. never really, I never noticed that. Yeah. Which was the same case last season. Other clubs didn't have that. I know MLS seemed to want to have the fact that it's going to be like for the second half of the season, all east v east, west v west. But a lot of teams ended up having two, three, four games in the east in yeah. the second half of the season, and that's a very good spot because. We should be at pretty much full strength. YP Lee... YP Lee won't miss any yeah, more games. So he might not even miss the Montreal game because obviously he, it's just a one-off game, right? So maybe he is able to play in September. It, it's exciting times. And when you look at the table, Seattle, they've still got two games in hand of us, but now we have a five-point gap. And that five-point gap is looking so much better than it just looked a couple of weeks ago where you thought, yeah, Seattle's going to win. They're going to overtake us. We're really looking at being in a battle for fifth. And even that's going to be tight. But then you've also got Colorado that, that seem to be keeping it up and they're keeping it going. And I've been really amazed by that. The win they had during the week, that 2-0 win, I, that was phenomenal against New York. That was just huge. And I didn't see that coming. New York were so poor in that game. And our last two games of the season are against Colorado, home and away, away first and then finish the season at home. Those could still be huge. I, I still think Colorado's going to drop off. But... I'm a lot more optimistic than I've been in previous podcasts, which everyone will be glad to hear. I think we could be looking at third, fourth, or fifth. And I really think if we keep this going, we are going to be in the playoffs. It's just how deep we can go. I think we still need to make some additions in this summer transfer window to actually make any impact into the playoffs. No, I 100% agree. And I, 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 I've always thought that there is going to be a time when they get healthy. And when and when they finally get like a set eleven, and obviously they won't have to worry about Concacaf Con- Champions League uh, draining players out or whatever. So as soon as this Gold Cup is over, they get Russell Tiber back. By then, Andy O'Brien was fully fit, um, and the amazing recovery of Jay Demerit, um, and which would allow uh, cross my fingers. Hopefully, they put Johnny Leverone as a holding midfielder. That would be you know outstanding. And I think they could be a team that uh, could go very far this year. Now, the transfer window is opening up on Tuesday. What do you think the key areas are? What do we need to add to that? Um, at this point, I think uh, I think they need some kind of utility player. Um, uh, I don't know if that's a term in soccer or not, uh, where you come no, from. Yeah. Uh, I think they need a guy that can cover a uh, fullback position and play a little bit of midfield as well. And even possibly, you know, be able to play a wing spot uh, uh, in there too. I know that's you're a lot asking of. For I know it's yeah. asking because you're because, like some kind of superhuman. I know because the thing is they're not going to be able to bring in too many. They're not going to be very much uh, quantity. They're not going to be able to bring like two or three players. So uh, I, I'm just labeling it as uh, important. So uh, important to number one, somebody that can play fullback, especially if YP Lee does take more games off because he could take games off on the West Coast too. You never know. True. I I I definitely want to have a left back. Yeah. Oh, left back that can play right back, I think. If we could find a player that can play both yeah. full-pack positions, that would be like a huge find for us. Yeah. But with Demerit coming back, like you said, 
this talk he could even be back in, in August I saw him tonight and we just had a very quick chat as he, as he walked past me and he's walking just you would not know he's had an injury well he was in the Southsiders uh, and he was actually jumping up wasn't he at one point yeah, yeah. you don't want to see that the, well, the <laughs> thing is but he was jumping yeah. and that's something that you're not supposed to be able to do with an Achilles uh, it's, injury it's been phenomenal what I really think they, they could look at doing though is playing O'Brien and Demerit as the back two with Leverin possibly as the holding midfielder in front of them because his distribution is fantastic yeah. and he can he can cover and he, he, as, as so much and has been said before he's like a left sided player as well so he can kind of maybe if, if Harvey is having a weak game drift over a little bit to the left and, and help out there as well yeah. so I think we could be looking at that uh, the article which I put up on AFTN on Friday night I had my ideal starting 11 which actually had Ousted and goal but if Brad keeps playing the way he is Either one of them I'd be happy with, but Brad, it's his position to lose. So I had Knighton or Eisted, then Lee, Demerit, O'Brien, Harvey, Leveron as the holding midfielder, then in front of that, Kofi and Rio Coker, and then the front three of Tybert, Camilo and Miller. My worry with that is keeping all these guys healthy. We're asking a lot of Kenny Miller. He looked so tired, I felt, in the, in the KC game, they risk running him into the ground. Yeah. But at the moment, he's, he's sprightly, he's, he's full of it. He's well, the guy I don't think, uh, if you, uh, can, maybe you can look at the fixtures, I don't think they play very many midweek games for the in the summer. I'm, I'm not 100% no, positive. No, like August, it's so all, that, all Saturday games. Yeah, so that, that should definitely take a little bit of uh, the sting out of his legs and he'll be able to play. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure they'll give him like a 70 minutes here or something like that. Well, I've been waiting for him to do that, but Camilo's the guy that they seem to be taking off and Miller's the guy that's seen the games out. But I mean, he's he, tonight, he put in another great effort, lots of running, and you just saw the experience, and it's it's great. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with, with the Caps in the next few weeks, and let, let's just see what happens. Let's not count our chickens, but it's great win tonight, fantastic to see. I'd rather you be more pessimistic so it gives the Caps a chance to prove you wrong. So, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the game, hope you enjoyed the podcast. I've been your host, Michael McCall. Steve, tell us where we can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at, at WhitecapsBeat. And I write for Post America and Canadian Soccer News. And you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can drop us an email at AFTNCanada at hotmail.com. And of course, you can find our blog and all our writings on Canadian Soccer News by visiting AFTN.ca. So we're going to wrap up from BC Place. Alarms going off in the background, you can possibly hear. But the best thing to say about tonight is, apart from the three points... Our first win against Cascadia opposition and the Whitecaps have finally got that monkey off their back and sent that monkey up to heaven. Good night, everybody. <laughs>